Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, welcome back everybody to another episode of The Basement Binge, an episode that has been in the tunnel, in the, in the, in the process for over a year now. As is expected, Animation Hall of Fave cannot happen without being interrupted. This is Animation Hall of Fave 3. Now, we're going to get into the episode with How to Train Your Dragon. I just have to tell you guys something because I, I can't help but laugh at it. Every year, I set out to do Animation Hall of Fave, and it is interrupted, and the plans fall apart because of some external source in my life that I can't control, including this year, getting sick. And before this, Animation Hall of Fave is supposed to become at the beginning of the year, in January and February, and maybe a little bit into March. I didn't really start till March because I was so busy with school at the beginning of the year, so it was delayed. That's fine. I thought that maybe the delay was all I would have to deal with this year. But right as I was finally getting animation back, animation Hall of Fave back up and running, uh, I had a wonderful weekend about a week and a half ago where um, on a Saturday, my wife and I, we have two cars. We're, we're lucky enough for that. But one of them is this Camry that we love. It's got close to 350,000 miles. It's taken good care of us. 2001 Camry. It was parked in front of someone's house, a friend of ours, and someone rear-ended it push it up onto the curb about 20 feet in between two trees, smashed over some rocks. It, it was bad. The car was totaled. That was devastating. While it is the other driver's fault and they stuck around so we can get an insurance claim, it's a 2001 Camry with 300,000 miles on it. We're not going to get a lot back. And we are not in a position to afford a new car. So that was really, really stressful. My parents felt bad for us, so they invited us over for Sunday dinner. We drove there in our other car, still with a little bit of stress of how we were both going to get to work now down to one car and what we were going to do, but we were just pushing through. And we're at dinner. My dad had to leave for a meeting, and so he backed out of the driveway right into our other car uh, within less than 24 hours. So that was how the week started. Uh, It was quite stressful. Things have been resolved. I'm all right. We got a rental car now from our car that was totaled. We were able to find and purchase a really nice car that ended up working for the goods. So Things have worked out, but that's why I have been absent because all the time that I would have been able to invest in editing and recording episodes was invested into dealing with car insurance and getting a rental car and applying for an auto loan and purchasing a car and registration and all the things that goes about dealing with that. So it has been right. I guess if I want my life to be calm, I shouldn't do Animation Hall of Fame, but I I love animation, so I'm going to truck through it. Anyway, that is a long enough introduction. I just thought that was funny. I mean, it wasn't in the moment, but I can look back now and laugh, especially that it interrupted Animation Hall of Fave. So I guess that's just the way things go. Now, that story is fitting for this episode you're about to hear. This episode, How to Train Your Dragon, was recorded over a year ago in the beginning of the year of 2022 with Matt and Rob, originally to be released during that Animation Hall of Fave a year ago. That's when I ended up quitting my job. I ended up going back to school completely completely made a change in my life, and that 
brought a screeching halt to Animation Hall of Fave. So while we recorded the episodes and reviewed them, and they were supposed to go in conjunction with Kung Fu Panda, I wasn't able to edit and record them. So they are finally here. Thank you, Matt and Rob, for your patience. I'm excited for you to hear our review of How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2, and 3 from a year ago. And then we'll get back to the recent reviews happening with some exciting things like Wally, another movie that Matt recommended from Matt Goes to Movie 9, some Pixars with The Incredibles, and then I'm really excited for the new Super Mario movie coming out, and Suzumi, in addition to some other great movies we're going to be reviewing. So that's Animation Hall of Fame Volume 3. This has been a long enough introduction. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for enduring with me. Let's hope that there aren't any more interruptions for Animation Hall of Fame Volume 3, and we'll keep our fingers crossed until Volume 4 comes around. Anyway, that's enough for me. On to Past Harrison. On to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to The Basement Binge, another episode of Animation Hall of Fave, Volume 2. Continuing back with another DreamWorks, DreamWorks, excuse me, uh, trilogy here with Kung Fu Panda. Also had to get the always great How to Train Your Dragon. It's been a while since I've seen these, and it's been even longer since I had Matt and Rob back on The Basement Binge. So I figured that this was a fitting film to do it with. So welcome back both Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies. Uh, I'm excited to be here. It's been a very, very long time. Yeah, it's been a minute since the three of us have uh, gotten to do a show together. So uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having both of us. And uh, thanks for picking a movie that I uh, wanted an excuse to watch again. I was very excited to sit down and, and check this back out. Oh, good. Well, I'm I'm excited. As It's been a long, long time since I've seen it. And it's something that I always, whenever I go to watch a movie, I always think of you, Rob, when you're talking about, you know, it, do I have time to rewatch this? Like, I've seen this before. I have lots of things to watch. Uh, and this was one of those that's like, yes, I have time to watch these. And I was really looking forward to these. So we will actually just get into talking about it uh, into the very first segment, Two Cents, which is completely spoiler free. Uh, we all kind of just give our reaction to the film. Spoiler free thoughts about it. And then we'll move on from there. So, Rob, I'll actually let you go first. Yeah, so uh, this is a movie I've seen before. I've got three small kids, so this is a movie that plays in my house. They did a, an, an animated uh, series of this show on Netflix that my kids were really into. Um, and I, I've taken them to the movie to the movies to actually see. I think it was the third one we all went and saw. So this is a series that is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, the The thing about this first film is that if you describe the story beats in the vaguest possible terms, you really come to understand this, that this movie in terms of just the, the bones of the plot is nothing that we haven't seen before. And that's kind of where the parts of it that I don't like kind of land. But some of the things that, that this series and particularly this film does that, that are new that we really haven't seen before are really compelling, are really interesting. Uh, there's really two major themes of this that I think this film approaches in new ways uh, that we haven't really seen before. Uh, and Harrison, I got to tell you, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just like salivating for what you've got planned for the the fall in segment, because I know there's some really, really deep stuff here that um, that it's, it's going to really make you think. Um, you know, this is and really your most of what you've covered so far with your animation hall of fave, it really goes to show that um, compelling storytelling is compelling storytelling. It can come in the form of live action film. 
It can come in the form of animation. It can come in the form of video games that Matt's going to talk about uh, coming up at the end of the month. And compelling storytelling just draws you in. And it it can be a variety of different things. And for all the people who want to mock superhero movies, there's some really, really great storytelling that captivates you with well-written characters, great dialogue, great moments. Uh, and you can find it in a lot of places. It doesn't have, you don't have to look at animation simply as for kids or something that you take your kids to see. Uh, animation can be just as captivating as anything that's done live action. And this is a great example of that. Uh, very, very well said. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to get to fall in, especially to hear what you have to say about it. Um, but Matt, I'll let you go next. Yeah, I mean, this is something I have not seen in like a really, really long time. But I remember when it came out, I really, really liked it. Um, And then I was, you know, just kind of looking it up, doing some research on it. And it kind of blew my mind that this came out um, in 2010. Like, that's so long ago now. It's like not even funny. But... Uh, I, I really share a lot of what Rob said. I, I think this movie is and the trilogy as a whole, but just, you know, talking about this movie to start things. There's so much more behind this just being a kid's movie. I think there's some really great lessons about two people finding each other, um, you know, uh, under weird circumstances and, you know, not the best of circumstances. But I, I just think there's a lot to be dissected in a movie like this, where this is one of those kids movies where, you know, if if you have kids like Rob said, he's got, you know, kids, I have kids, you can go take them and they can like this for a completely different reason. But as a parent, as an adult, you can sit down and watch this movie and get like actual meaning out of this movie. And this is one of the ones that I think actually does it really well in terms of animation movies, I think this is one of the top-notch ones where it's made for all audiences because there's a lot of deep messages behind it. Man, you guys are still in everything to say about it. Yeah, this is uh, a great, great film. I, Similar to you guys, I'm very, very familiar with it. I, I haven't seen the complete trilogy. I've seen the first two films, not the third, only parts of it. But this... First film was one that I, my family and I, we had on, on Blu-ray that my brother in particular just like loved. So he would frequently rewatch it, which just means that I frequently rewatched it. Uh, and I mean, there was nothing wrong with that. So I was just really, really familiar with it. And, and maybe that like excitement just kind of wore off. So it was like, oh yeah, How to Train Your Dragon. Like, it's just kind of like there. Until a few years ago. Oh, it must be like, holy smokes, like four-ish years ago. Maybe three. Wow. <laughs> Time flies. Okay. Anyway, uh, I was at a job, a retail job, and there was a lot of just standing around and waiting. And one of the coworkers I had there, oh, my nose itching so much. Okay. Sorry. One of the coworkers I had there, he, uh, we had frequently talked about movies. And I remember asking him, like, well, what's your all time favorite movie? And it, like, without hesitation, he said, How to Train Your Dragon. And I was like, Oh, really? Like, that's a movie that people would have that opinion about because I just got so familiar with it. Um, so then as animation season was coming back, I was like, you know what? This is a trilogy that I want to revisit uh, and see is it, what, what is my memory of it and what uh, can come back. So anyway, that aside, it, it is really, really so good. From an anima- animation standpoint, visually, it's really amazing, but also just from like a character standpoint, 
it's definitely understandable by why this is a trilogy that people have loved because you say what you will about the story being something that we haven't really um something that we've seen before multiple times these characters are ones that we are very very endearing are easy to love so yeah it's a great film has very powerful music very very touching themes great characters i mean it's a movie about dragons that makes you love dragons in a unique kind of way totally different than something that like (laughs) game of thrones would do or anything like that um so yeah it's it's really really fun i'm excited to talk about it more in detail but we will get into that after rummage for the rotten so rummage for the rotten here is something that is I haven't done a while. I almost forgot about it. Rob had to remind me. It's something that I'll do when I have guests on the show where we will guess who is going to be the rotten. The rotten being the individual who gives it the lowest rating out of five because it, Matt and Robert from Matt Goes to the Movies. We do out of five reels from Matt's show. So here in this segment, we'll all take a turn guessing who we think is going to be the rotten, who will like it the least. And then at the very end, we'll reveal our rating and who will be the rotten. This is going to be really, really difficult to guess. Um, anybody have immediate guesses off the top? Uh, of I'm just strictly based on a, I think it's going to be a sliver. Um, I feel like it's going to be Rob. I actually think it's going to be very close as well, but I think it'll be Matt. <laughs> oh man. Okay. I, I echo exactly what Rob said. I think it is really, really going to be close. And I think that it's going to be, uh, Ooh. Matt as well, but I think it will be, I think it's going to be close. We'll see. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into talking about it here. Before we do that, just brief announcement. Animation Hall of Fame Volume 2 here at the Basin Binge is almost ending. It's going to end at the end of February. And I'm giving away a movie. One of the movies I have reviewed so far in animation season since the beginning of the year or will continue to review the rest of the year, you could win by simply leaving a review on Podchaser. Podchaser is great. Just helps support the show by leaving a completely free review. You can leave a review on each episode. You can have multiple entries. Anyway, anything you need to know for that will be linked below. Podchaser.com slash Basin Binge. First place winner gets a free movie of their choice. Second place gets a $10 movie gift card. So check that out. Additionally, I'd like to give Matt a chance to talk about his show and kind of what Rob hinted to what he's some of the exciting we're doing at the end of this month. Yeah, um, thank you for for that. So uh, Matt goes to the movies. If any listeners uh, from this show are familiar with it, I talk about movies. The actual sh- the my podcast was done because of the basement binge. I, you know, God, forever ago now when COVID first struck was like just sitting at home <laughs> and I started listening to this podcast called the basement binge and was really inspired by it. So I've said it many times if you've heard me before, but Harrison, you're the inspiration for my podcast. So thank you. But, <laughs> um, you know, January was comic book movie month. Uh, I did hit a spell where I was sick for quite some time. So uh, still releasing episodes tomorrow. Um, that'll be going up. Catwoman, Ghost Rider, Green Lantern and Spawn. I didn't say they were good comic book movies. I just said they were comic book movies. Um, so <laughs> that audio will be released. Uh, actually, to, you know, uh, well, we're talking about How to Train Your Dragon on a Tuesday, and I'm going to be uploading all of my stuff on Wednesday. And then in February, something completely different for Matt Goes to the Movies. Um, top 100 video games, uh, Rob and Harrison uh, and my son, uh, Brandon, 
are going to join me for that. And that I'm really looking forward to because it's not necessarily just like what games are considered like the best video games of all time. I have a lot of games on my list that mean like a sentimental value to me because of when I got the game, what was going on in my life. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that because, Rob, you mentioned it. uh, Video games can have some amazing stories and really, you know, I remember some video games as fondly as I remember movies. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've been uh, I'm not a huge gamer. It's not that I don't. I just well, let me take it back. I used to play video games like crazy. I haven't played a lot in a while. Uh, at least anything new. So it's been fun to go back and think about, like, just enjoy the nostalgia that games have. So I'm, yeah, go check out Matt Goes to the Movies. It, all of the links you'll need for his show will be below as well. But that's going to be a fun episode. I am very much looking forward to those, for sure. Uh, it was a ton of fun to go back and think about what those games were that meant the most to me. And uh, it kind of makes me wish I had more time to, to fire some of those back up. Although some of the older ones, they do not <laughs> hold up the way you think they do. Nostalgia messes with you. Go back and play any of those old 8-bit NES games and, and try to tell me <laughs> any of those are still fun in 22 because most of them are not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. They're hard. Y- yes. Very difficult. Um uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, also just to talk about the comic book month that Matt had uh, earlier in January and that he's kind of finishing out here. If you want it, just a great place to start with those, I really highly recommend the Daredevil episode. I've never seen that movie. Definitely, especially <laughs> after the episode, have no interest in seeing the movie. Uh, but that was actually part of the great fun in the episode that Matt and Rob together just kind of ripped the movie to shreds, but in a really, really entertaining way. I mean, that that's what these podcast ours entertainment and it was even someone who has no idea what the movie is i was laughing i was sitting there building a lego set <laughs> just listening and i would just randomly start laughing to myself uh so yeah it the daredevil episode in particular was was really really fun uh, so let's get into talking about how to train your dragon now that that is all out of the way Real quickly, we have to do the rating scale here for the Basement Binge, though, which is Pick Your Poison. So Pick Your Poison is the rating scale here at the Basement Binge, like I just said. But it's based off the bingeability of the film to rate that. Instead of out of five reels like we're going to do later for Rummage for the Rotten, this is how we would choose to interact with a film after this particular watch. So there's four options to never watch it again, which is really straightforward, to stream it when it means it's on a service you're already paying for and you're just looking for something to watch. Above that is to rent it in the right circumstances. You pay a few dollars, be that red box or digitally to rent it. And then top of the list is to buy it. You would own it, watch as many times as you want, whatever, that type of thing. Um, and I'll go first and then we'll go in reverse row. So myself, Matt, and then Rob, you can close us out. Uh, this is was interesting. It's, it's interesting to think about this because I this is one segment I like didn't even give any thought to because I just already own the movie. Um, but having seen it now and like i said having that rich history where i had seen it so many so many times um yeah it's definitely a movie that i would buy on sale like it's not at the top of my purchase list but it's definitely a movie that i would like to have in my catalog of movie partially just because i like to own movies that's just something i'm into but i know that i will watch this again in the next few years and i'm just not a fan of renting movies so if like in fact, the way I bought it, the trilogy that came with all three movies was on sale, and I bought that. Like, that is my poison. That's actually what I picked, and that's what it would be. Uh, because 
it, yeah, I will watch this again and I will enjoy it. Uh, particularly with like animation, I love watching bonus features. This this Blu-ray has a good bonus features, so that's another reason I would buy it. Uh, so simply, this is a buy. So I was just keeping my laughter inside because uh, I actually went on Best Buy's app when I knew we were going to do this. Um, you know, a week and a half, two weeks back when we had talked about this, and lo and behold, they had the trilogy on Blu-ray three nineteen ninety nine for the three pack. Um, and I said, you know what? I said, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is actually a buy. Um, I do really enjoy this movie. And it's something that when I knew we were going to do this, I was like, yeah, I actually do. Like, I do want to watch this again. I, I actually would like to see this. Um, and probably at some point would watch it again, even after this. So, yeah, for me, this is, especially for the price, this is a buy. So what I really like about your rating system uh, on the basement binge is that it's it's very, very different. It can mean a lot of different things to different people. So both of you guys like to just own movies. That's that's kind of your thing. You both have talked about right. it. It is actually possible for a person to like this movie better than somebody else and yet choose kind of a lower ranking on Pick Your Poison because they're just not the kind of person that buys a lot of movies. I'm kind of that person because I don't have a ton of space on my DVD (laughs) rack. I just don't have a lot of space, you know, kind of, I I just don't like hanging on. I I mean, I've yard sailed so many DVDs over the years. Um, This is somewhere. I I think I I would probably buy this on sale like you guys did. I just haven't. Um, This is likely it, it more falls into rented for me just because I, you know, how many times would I pay $3.99 before I actually would have equaled the amount of, that it would have cost me to buy it? Um, it's probably a rent for me just because I don't buy that many movies. Um, and that doesn't have anything to do with how much I enjoy this movie or how many times I would likely watch this in the future. I just don't buy that many movies. Um, this would be one that I would consider, though, to have all three of them readily available. So if the kids want to sit down and watch it ever again. Uh, we can do it easily. Or, I mean, look, this movie's good enough. I don't even need the kids to tell me they want to watch it. Uh, this is one that I would watch. Yeah, well said. Every single time I do pick your poison with a guest, particularly with you, Rob, I'm always realizing that when I created this segment, it was very much geared towards someone like me who likes to buy movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it's interesting. And yeah, as you can tell, whether we would choose to buy it or you know whatever our collection status is it's definitely a quality movie that is worth watching repeatedly so uh let's move on to the next segment here live up kind of talking about our expectations for the film coming back to it if this was your first watch what were you expecting it uh but being in a film that came out over 10 years ago now which is just crazy to say kind of what is the legacy that it's left uh as a piece of film uh, and it kind of in like the legacy of DreamWorks. I feel like when people think about DreamWorks, this is one of those films. Um, you know, what is it coming coming back to it 12 years later? Can it still live up to that a way that we remember it? Kind of like Rob was saying at the beginning with nostalgia. Um, so, yeah, Matt. You yeah, can go first I mean, one. I remember uh, way back when, when this first came out, like being super intrigued by the trailer and was like, oh, man, I like I want to see this. Um And I think coming back now, and I think a lot of people probably share this just if you read about this movie, uh, it still definitely lived up to what I had originally thought of this movie. Again, 
I think the animation's really good. There's really like, you know, the, the main character is super likable. Uh, some really great relationship threads, you know, weave throughout this story. Um, and I mean, just look at the reviews for this. Uh, this is a movie that's really fondly thought of and has really good reviews, really good scores from critics and fans. And, you know, as 10 years have gone by since this movie has come out, uh, those scores and those reviews like have not dipped. Like this isn't something, you know, Rob, you talked about it with video games like, oh, the nostalgia doesn't hold up on them. And, you know, they're not as good as you remember, uh, you know, 10 years later. It's not like all of a sudden people look back at this and go, well, it really wasn't as good as we thought. Like those reviews have stayed true, uh, you know, over 10 years, which is sometimes really rare. Um, you know, especially in this day and age, you go back and you look at some movies and you're like, oh, boy, that uh, that didn't age well or you couldn't really do that nowadays and make that movie. Um, this is not one of those movies. So it, it definitely still lives up for me. Yeah, I think for this, um, I my expectations were actually fairly high coming into this because there's a lot of it that I remembered and remembered fondly. And, and in some ways, it met the expectations. And in other ways, it kind of exceeded it. Um, you know, there's there's one, the first scene where Hiccup meets Toothless, I remember that really having an impact on me. And it, and it still did. Um, but coming back to it after not seeing it in a while, there's so many things that I guess I never really paid very close attention to that really kind of made me appreciate the craft behind this movie a lot. You know, uh, Harrison, I just finished listening to your episode on Atlantis and you, you spoke very passionately about how much passion the, the creators put into making that movie and how important it was to them to make something fun. And I feel like this movie shows a lot of that too. I, I you look at things, just little things like the character designs, um, the the creature designs of the dragons are you know they didn't just throw a couple of dragons out there and and they're just kind of carbon copies or reskins of each other they're fully fledged out there's there's some real thought put into these um and i'd kind of not really I, I guess i just didn't remember that about this movie and i really enjoyed it um why do the vikings have scottish accents can we just ask, can i just ask that question why do they, <laughs> like you know, I kind of remember that and, and just, you know, you just kind of, okay, whatever. They're, they're fun. Like, uh, but top to bottom, um, this was another thing I didn't really remember about this movie until my rewatch. The voice cast top to bottom is fantastic and so well suited and, and just perfect for the roles that they're playing. Um, so that really, again, exceeded my, my expectations. Um, and I, and really the one thing that uh, I also exceeded each character's motivations really do make sense for what they're doing, why they're doing it, why they're trying to accomplish it, even though many times they want the same things, but for but different ways of achieving those same things. There's never a time where I feel like, you know, something just doesn't make sense. They're, this character's only doing that to move the plot forward. It, everything kind of makes sense. It, it really did, um, in some ways, you know, exceed my expectations. So, yeah, it, it lived up and beyond. Yeah, I, I really agree with a lot of things that both of you are saying. I, as Matt was saying, I just looked at the reviews on this. I didn't. I, this is currently at a ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is, I mean, wow! I did not know that. Uh, and I, I will say that it it definitely lived up in a lot of the ways that I'm familiar with, like the humor, the characters definitely lived up to what I remember. Uh, like I said, I'm really familiar with it, particularly the character of Toothless. I think that this is something that a lot of us will say. Uh, 
I, I know that I'm not the only one on the internet who has claimed toothless reminds me of a pet I've had. And I think that that is very deliberate in the way he's designed and animated uh, and just the character behind it. I, I agree with the dragon design. Like they were meant to have a, a emotion towards these dragons and it's done really, really well. Um, but it also really exceeded my expectations in what you were talking about, Rob, kind of the emotional depth to it that it is a very predictable story. Like how many times have we seen the story where there's a little bit of an outcast and then he meets the thing that everybody doesn't like and then they get along and it kind of changes it like, oh, my, we've seen this a bunch of times. But when um, I forget his name, Hiccup's dad's name, what's his name? Uh, Stoic. When Stoic sees Hiccup with Toothless, but then still goes after the dragons anyway, like I was I was waiting for that to happen in the movie. Uh, I knew it did, and I was kind of just like waiting for Stoic to be just like a stick in the mud. Like, come on, dude. Like, can't you just recognize that the dragons aren't that bad? But the way that that character is made is is a very, very believable choice for him to make uh, and makes the relationship between him, him and Hiccup uh, that much more rich in the difficulty, but also in the catharsis of it. Uh, and it's just like a really, really well-told story. Like, you really just love the journey that these... Uh, dragons and this little town uh, goes on and it. It's it's and and it's just fun to enjoy. That's the other thing. Watching it, there was just a lot of scenes where I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember watching this with my brother, and this is why we liked it. This is why we laughed. This is what was fun about it." And so it it definitely lived up and exceeded my expectations as far as like the emotional parts of it go. So, any, any other thoughts for expectations or kind of the legacy this film has of twelve years ago? Um, I mean, I just think that. It was so certainly looking at the fact that the sequels are really well thought of, too. Uh, I just think it goes to show that, you know. This wasn't just something and sometimes with these, you know, DreamWorks movies or animation movies, they're like cash grabs. And I think they did a really good job with this. And it shows, I think, in the sequels of wanting to tell like an actual story and doing something, you know, like I said, that I think is not just, you know, for kids, but like they made a movie knowing that, okay, like parents are going to be taking their kids to see this movie. And, and they just made an all encompassing film for any audience that's going to be there. So uh, I think that's, you know, not a lot of movies do that. Not a lot of animated movies do that. There's, you know, like you can sit there and I can be like, oh, OK, like, yeah, that was fun. But those movies don't make me, you know, they don't make me think on a certain level like some of these movies did with the relationships that they portrayed um, and the themes that they have uh, in the How to Train Your Dragon series. Yeah, like when you take your kids to Frozen, like as a parent. You know, maybe you like the songs. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, if you like the Disney musicals, you're going to be there for the songs. They're going to be there for the princesses. You're there for the songs, and you're there to laugh at Olaf. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what you're there for as a parent. Um, and and I guess Sven, um, but there's a lot more for the adults in the audience to like about this. That when they announce the second one, they announce the third one. Like you're telling your kids, "Hey, let's get excited to go." Like they're not dragging you. You guys are going together. Yeah, both of you really, really well said. I, I think that it's something that just kind of like impresses me with DreamWorks because I mean, like DreamWorks, when you I think of animation, they're not immediately the uh, or the company that comes to mind. Like mm -hmm. I think most of us would say like Pixar or 
or Ghibli or whatever your personal choice is, DreamWorks is not one that comes to mind. Uh, but as I saw with Kung Fu Panda, as I'm seeing now, when they get it right, they really, really get it right. Uh, they've just had some weird missteps in between. But I mean, I guess Pixar has too. So uh, I, I guess I shouldn't discount DreamWorks because they, they really know how to make a compelling story. Uh, and then as far as like animation goes, the, I mean, I have to keep reminding myself, this was 10 years ago. Like this type of animation was still really, really new. I mean, some of the skin textures and, and facial animation isn't perfect. Uh, but like the fur simulations and the hair, like particularly Stoic's beard, like, oh my gosh, that looks so good. Or the dragon's fire, like, first off, all the different versions of fire breath they came up with uh, that just look differently, have so many different designs. Uh, it, it really, uh, visually, it has a lot of uh, great technically, but also just style-wise, I guess you could say. Um, the one other thing I'll say with Live Up is the music. I don't know if you, either of you guys were saw this on TikTok. It was it was months and months ago. I haven't been on TikTok in forever. But one of the things that was going around, like particularly like film TikTok, was this edit somebody made with a song from, uh, shoot, I don't remember what the movie it was. I think it was The Hunchback hmm. of Notre Dame, if I remember right. And then it went into How to Train Your Dragon. Like it had a line from a movie that was delivered, and then it went into the How You Train Your Dragon theme, and it was like a really really powerful piece of music that i'll have to find it. i'll link it below when i find it because there was tiktoks everywhere of people using it and reacting to it and i was like it really made me emotional like in a nostalgic way but also just in a like emotion towards film and my love for film but also just like i don't know just like emotion i don't i don't know how to describe it um and so coming back to this i was like wow this music really is exceptional i think there's a lot of scenes that my memory of them and like the feeling of adventure and the feeling of magic behind them is definitely because of the music, uh, majorly, and it's it's really really uh, powerful music. Yeah, uh, I, really I, I just want to point out. I mean, this score that they did for this movie actually was nominated for an Academy Award, um, and it ended up losing uh, to the Social Network for the score. But I mean, the score to this movie is really well and was so well done that it got. You know, it got nominated and some people will take that for what it is and say that that doesn't matter. But I, I do think that's worth mentioning that, you know, you're not the only one who liked this score. Yeah, it it is great. Um, while I was looking while you were talking, I looked it up. It's the out there test flight TikToks uh. sound if anyone wants to listen to it. Uh, but yeah, it it. I'm glad that I'm not alone in enjoying this either. I didn't know this was animated for an Oscar for music. Understandably so. And also losing to the social network. Understandable. Uh, also, that's weird. This movie came out the same year as the social network. Like the social <laughs> network feels old, but this movie, ah, my brain. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts, thoughts with Live Up at all? Okay. All righty. So let's move on to the next segment, which is unique to animation season. And that is lame, fave, or fame. Hello! Okay. This is a segment that, like I said, is just for this animation hall of fave, which is something that I just completely made up. But if there is a hall of whatever it is, it, this particular film that was chosen, is it the first option, lame, where it just isn't deserving of any type of entry and was a complete letdown? Is it a fave? Uh, well, actually, let's go all the way to fame. Is it a fame where it's just everyone should recognize this amazing film, amazing piece of animation? It should go into the hall of fame for animation and 
you know, be that technically or thematically or whatever, or is it kind of in between where it's a fave, where it's one that you love, but you recognize not everybody needs to remember it for years and years to come. Um, Rob, I'll, I'll let you go first, particularly with someone with kids, because I feel like you have a unique, or not, not that you're the only one with kids in this conversation, but the, the kids, kind of the target audience of yeah. this film. So yeah, my kids are younger than Matt's and, um, you know, they, they definitely want to go see every time they see something advertised um, that looks like a, you know, a fun cartoon with, with good songs or interesting characters, something, something about it, it, you know, really compelling them to get excited. You know, they're asking to go. Um, this is one of those ones. So, so thinking about the three options here, if you were having a conversation with somebody and this movie comes up and they say, oh, I've never seen that before. Should I? Uh, I would compel them to go watch this. I would say, yes, definitely. Uh, if you feel weird about it, you know, watch it with some kids, uh, hopefully ones, you know, like that would be weird if you, if otherwise, if you didn't know them, but, um, you know, even sitting down just to watch this by yourself, um, you will absolutely enjoy it. You will think it was a good time. Um, so to me, you know, thinking about it in that way, it's gotta be fame. Um, there's, there's some really interesting things that are done. Uh, I, I love the dragons in this. I love the relationships uh, between each character and their dragon. You know, really, we only in, the, in this first film we really only get Toothless and, and Hiccup, um, and that is it's it. Yes, it's not something that has never been done before, but I like the way this movie does it. Um, so yes, fame. Okay, I'll go next because I agree with you. Um, as I was thinking about it, because at first, kind of going in before we recorded, oh, I was, I it's kind of just leaning towards fave. But the more we talked about it, and kind of just like the the history of animation, this is one that deserves to be mentioned. You know, if they draw out a timeline and it just kind of has the highlights, I hope that this is included uh, because it should be recognized, kind of for like the time period. Uh, but also the way that you looked at it, I've never, I mean. I came up with a segment. I never even looked at it that way. But yeah, if someone came to me and said, have, you know, I've never seen How to Train Your Dragon, should I? Without a doubt, I would say, yes, you need to see it at least once. This is, I think this is one of those movies, particularly if you enjoy animation at all, you should see this. Uh, well said. I agree with you. Fame as well. Yeah, um, I'm that. right there with you. I think this actually should be remembered by anybody who enjoys animation. And for some reason, if you haven't seen it or you you know, you have kids and you're thinking of something to watch. This should absolutely be towards the top of your list. Um, it's certainly on the top of mine from really any studio that does animation. I, I think this movie is that good that it needs to be talked about, you know, in the upper echelon of, of these move of these kinds of movies. I agree. I agree. So fame all around. Great entry here. So let's get on to the next segment then, unless you guys have any other thoughts. Um, bench points here. So this is where we're talking about kind of Easter eggs, details, trivia, hidden things in the film we like to notice, uh, behind the scenes, production details, whatever it may be. Uh, I'll start here just kind of mentioning a, a production detail that I really loved is watching this film, I love the just the use of lighting. I, I love the way that sunsets were portrayed, particularly in like the dynamic range of the sunset. I don't know. I, I don't know that much about CG animation, but the, the way that they have a whole spectrum of the color yellow or spectrum of the color orange at a sunset, I really, really love the, the look of it for that reason. And then as the credits were rolling, it turns out that the great Roger Deakins 
was a visual consultant on the film. Turns out that he's a Sir Roger Deakins now. He was knighted a few days ago. First cinematographer ever to get knighted. Of course, it's Roger Deakins. But um, yeah, I, I love the use of lighting this film. And makes sense Roger Deakins was. Yeah, I think one thing that um, I, I really appreciated is, and I did originally see this movie in 3D. Um, I've mentioned before, I was a really big fan of, of 3D when it was done correctly. Uh, and they did a lot of research in flight so that it would actually translate on the screen really well in 3D. Uh, I appreciated that because it's not one of those movies that they just, you know, said, okay, let's convert it and let's try and again, like cash in on, on the 3D craze at the time. Uh, but they did a lot of work to actually make it so that the 3D in this movie actually added to it. Um, and when that happens, I think 3D movies are, you know, when they were popular, were just amazing because it added so much depth and perception um, to the movie. So I, I thought it was really cool that they did so much research to actually make this movie in 3D. It almost feels like some of the research they did, it, it, you know, kind of feels like they're creating <laughs> Pokemon, you know, in some ways with with the detail and the individuality, you know, the, there's the character fish legs. It's kind of like the, <laughs> almost like the dungeon master that lists off the stats of each one. Um, and the, the amount of time they took to build that, make them differentiated, make each one feel unique. Um, you know, particularly in the training scenes, which I, I love the training scenes. I think they're incredibly yeah. effective. They're a blast. Um, just it really shows through yeah I, I agree with you there's a bonus feature um both on the disc and then digitally where you can go through i forget what it's called the dragon mm -hmm. book is that what it's called the book of dragons I, I don't know um and it has a bunch of dragons that aren't even mentioned in the film listed and has a bunch of stuff about it like where you would find them and what why they're threatening and so on and so forth and it doesn't feel like a cheap bonus feature just like thrown in on the disc like it really feels like they just went to the filmmakers and then said like, oh, hey, give us all your notes you've made up for dragons. We're going to put them on a bonus feature. Like it feels extremely thought out uh, and not like some cheap gag. And it it really pays off. And that that scene with fish legs where he's like, it actually reminds me of a friend of my brother uh, who was like huge into Yu-Gi-Oh. And like anytime you'd mention it, he, he also had um, Down syndrome. So anytime you'd mention, or excuse me, not Down syndrome, I'm thinking of a different friend. He had autism. Anytime that you would mention a Yu-Gi-Oh character, he'd just like quickly <laughs> list off all the stats for it. So it, it, every time I see Fetch Legs, I think that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. The the knowledge and and of this dragon, these dragons are way cool. Um, another bench point that I'll add here really, really quickly that I think is sweet is just a detail in the film when they go to the nest or the what it, whatever it's called for the first time, the dragon's nest. And that mini dragon comes up and like drops the puny fish and then gets eaten by the queen dragon or whatever it's called. Uh, there's a dolly zoom on uh, Hiccup and Astrid, and it's like a dolly zoom in animation. Like I just can't believe that they did that. That's so much work, and it's such an effective use of the dolly zoom. Uh, and I, I love when filmmakers do that when they do something that's like, "Hey, this is uh, going to be challenging, but it's going to be really, really effective. Let's do it," and it works really well. Um, any other bench points you guys have that you would like to add? Yep. Okay, I'm just quickly reading through my notes here, seeing if there's anything else that I wanted to mention. Um, the last thing that I'll just add here is about tooth... Oh, actually, 
two more things I'll add. So we mentioned the dragons, how they were animated. So the rig that they made up for the dragons had over 4,000 individual points of adjustment and control that had to be animated every single time. So like, I think about <laughs> that poor animator who's, who's animating that flight scene. Like when, and like, okay, Toothless has 4,000 plus points of animation that he's adjusting or he or she is adjusting every single time he flaps his wing. Uh, it's just, but it, I mean, it really works out. And most of those were actually in the face, but that also works because you get so much emotion in Toothless. Uh, and it's, it's great. It makes him a really, really endearing character. Um, and that's the other thing I'll add. The, the character of Toothless, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I had a cat who has since died, but his, his name was Midnight. He was a black cat that we found in a tree and he lived with us ever since. Um, so very much like Toothless. Uh, but he was just, he, when I would watch How to Train Your Dragon, it was like I was seeing my cat. Uh, and it makes Toothless feel very pet-like and very uh, lovable and very adorable. And it turns out that that was intentional, particularly with Toothless. Uh, they wanted him to feel unique to the rest of the dragons. They wanted him to, him to feel more like a mammal, more like a, a cat, like a panther, they particu particularly mentioned, than a reptile. And so they, they designed him differently. They animated him differently than the less. But they also wanted him to give him a lot of character that they said, they particularly said anybody watching would feel like they'd want to take him home as a pet. And it, it works exceptionally well. Toothless kind of reminds me, if a cat was a dog with wings, it would be Toothless. <laughs> like that's. Yes. Well it, said. It, and that almost doesn't make sense, except like if you've seen this movie, you go, yeah, yeah, that kind of does. Um you know, he's got some of those personality quirks of a cat where it's like, hey, let's do this. And the cat's like, nah, we're not doing that. Um, but he's got some of those, you know, loyal, lovable traits that you associate with dogs. Um, you know, he kind of pounces like a cat. His facial expressions are kind of like a cat, but still has a lot of those dog personalities. Um, you know, the the time they spent in developing you know, thinking about developing a character who doesn't have dialogue, you know, who only has some shrieks and trying to make us love that character without actually having them express their their thoughts through word is really, really challenging. And I'm trying to think of a movie that it's been done better than than I mean, maybe R2D2, you know, he beeps like and we, we love him universally. So, yeah, uh, Toothless is on the same level as R2D2, I guess. So that, that makes him an all time great character instantly. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's 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 really awesome. Um, one other thing that I'll add here with Toothless is that uh, scene where Stoic touches him for the first time, like he reaches out his hand and, and Toothless comes forward. That like hesitation that Toothless has was actually an animation error. Like there was a the computer they were using would not get the movement properly, and it just kept having an error. And so they just like rendered it out. They're like, forget it. Like we're just gonna try it, uh, and then it. it not it wasn't that render that they did, but it they it gave them the idea to then have him hesitate more because uh, it felt like it was a good character choice, which I thought was cool uh, because it, it was like built out of a moment of frustration, like this isn't working. I'll forget it. Like it's just good enough. Move on, and then that gave them the idea to very add a character beat. Happy yeah. Little yeah. So. <laughs> 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, all right. Well, if there's no other bench points, we can move on to the next segment here, Lease and Likes. This is where we'll talk about our least favorite scene and our favorite scene. And uh, Rob, I'll let you go first with your least favorite scene. Uh, least favorite scene for me. Um, if I have a complaint about this movie, it's like I've said that it's there's some things here that that we've already seen. The the scene between uh, Hiccup and his dad, where they're having the argument, and and Stoic is about to sail off, <clears throat> is is just another example of things that I hate in movies where simple, normal human communication would have probably wrapped up most of that it's it a lot of this movie reminds me even something as recent as that we talked about like spider-man homecoming where none of the adults listened to any of the kids and if any of the adults had listened to any of the kids most of the bad stuff probably wouldn't have happened um if these characters would have actually just stopped for two seconds and actually tried to speak to one another there would have been a very different outcome i, I actually think it is you know, Stoic's motivations still feel right, but to me, it's it's hard to ignore that if they just would have talked a little bit more or been willing to listen to one another a little bit more in the way that families often do, a lot of this would have been prevented. So that's my least favorite scene. Yeah, I'll go right after you because I agree. Well, I mentioned earlier that it I like stoic's motivation like i like that he doesn't just immediately come around like oh yeah dragons are good like how long has this guy lived just slaughtering dragons i mean that's kind of aggressive to say for a kids movie but like like this guy has lived through some horrible things like he's probably lost a lot to dragons and so there is probably a lot of resentment there and so that like mindset is completely believable but the way that that mindset just immediately leaves to like pedal to the metal let's go kill them all is like whoa dude like Calm down. Like, just take a second. Like, your son just did something amazing that you've never seen before. Like, like a dragon just saved your son's life. You're not going to, like, reconsider for maybe 10 minutes. You're just going to go straight to, oh, kill them all. Uh, yeah, so it, it's a weird balance where, like, I appreciate the good characterization, but I don't like the writing of what they use that characterization to then go do. Uh, Matt, do you, you know, it's it, it's weird. I don't mean to just ride coattails, but I feel the exact same way where it's like, like Harrison, you just said it's almost like he didn't see what just happened with this dragon. And I get it. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. He's probably seen a lot, but it, it does feel in an otherwise like really tight script. 
it, it feels like one of those typical things that happens where it's just it, stop for five seconds and look at what has happened around you and just listen and things should kind of smooth themselves out. So I, I'd have to agree with what you guys said. Yeah. Well, we'll let you go first then on the favorite scene then. We'll just go the other direction. So yeah, Matt, go ahead I mean, with your favorite scene. I really think that just because it establishes, it's really when Toothless and Hiccup find each other because I think you know, what I like most about this movie is it's a, you know, a, a story about you're not supposed to be okay with, you know, you're not supposed to be okay with dragons, but you know, when you take two seconds and I feel like, you know, this is just, you can find this in life and a lot of examples today with everything going on, you can take two seconds to try and get to know somebody and what you thought is not how everything is. So I just really like when they first meet and just the bond that they start to have. Uh, Cause I think again, there's just a lot that is taken um, with the right context that you can apply to everyday life. So th- that's my favorite scene. Yeah, that, that is a great scene. I, one thing that I love about that scene is that Toothless doesn't look away. Like that stare that Toothless gives Hiccup is such great uh, writing and, and great filmmaking. So yeah, really, really great scene. Um, Rob, I'll let you go next. Uh, I got a feeling we're probably all going to have the same favorite scene too. Um, it's hard not to choose that scene, but if just just to pick something different, um, I want to talk about the scene that follows immediately after the scene that none of us liked uh, from this film where Astrid and and Hiccup are having a conversation about what they need to do. And what I really appreciate about this movie. So I've said that there's things that they, that this movie does that we've already seen before, but I'd like the things that they specifically do that we haven't seen before that we don't see often. Uh, I like how Astrid is written. I like that the, Love interest for our our hero is Mm. not a damsel in distress. She's a very capable, fully formed character who is not just capable, but actually significantly more capable than our hero. (laughs) Um, You know, she's probably of that whole class. She's probably the biggest badass out of all of them. Um, And I I really like that, that, that conversation, that dialogue, um, that they have in this scene that, you know, when you get into the second and the third films, um, there's seeds that are sown in this scene that really pay off later. So just not to choose the same scene that everybody's going to choose because it is the best scene in, in the film. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention that one. It's, it's kind of my second favorite. Yeah. Um, to comment on that as well, I love how, um, oh, dang, I had a great thought and I just forgot it. Hold on. Give me half a second to try and remember it. Um, Oh, I love how that that scene in particular makes a difference between I couldn't kill a dragon and I wouldn't kill a dragon and how one word means something completely different and turns a weakness into a strength. And I think that that is phenomenal uh, writing with words like, uh, you know, just like actual uh, literature, so to speak. That's not the right word, but uh, what is the word I'm searching for? Not literature. I don't know. My brain's going blank. But yeah, I I like that about the scene. Um, To just pick a third one, because there are so many great scenes in the film, (laughs) and to not just be repetitive for the sake of just being different, I'm going to go with the scene where Hiccup, uh, like the the initial flight scene, 
where Hiccup flies for the first time with Toothless. Uh, like the, the the music that I mentioned earlier, it just captures this feeling of like freedom so well. It is such powerful music. I really, really love the music. The cinematography is phenomenal. I imagine that that scene would be amazing in 3D. I've, I've never seen it, but I imagine it would be. Um, and the other thing that I'll add is that I like that the characterization of Hiccup, that he has the ability to make gizmos and gadgets for uh, Toothless, isn't something that's like jammed into our head about Hiccup. Like, oh, Hiccup's a weirdo because he can build things. Like, it's just something about Hiccup. Like, it's not, we don't have 20 minutes of time where we're focused on how Hiccup can make stuff. Like, it's just something that's just there. Like, from the beginning, he just has that random catapult thing. Uh, and he just makes things. I, I feel like that's good characterization without like, Oh, Hiccup's different because he can build things. Like, how many times have we seen that in a movie where, like, he, the son of the the brute is, uh, you know, a geek type of thing? And I like that that's not necessarily the emphasis of it. Uh, and and I just like that scene. I think it's really fun the way that him and Toothless bond. Uh, the music is great, and it's it's just really really fun. So I'll go with that one as like maybe like a third favorite. We'll just kind of add it onto the list. Um, any other scenes that we just want to mention, like honorable mentions at all, that are, are really noteworthy? You know, it's it's weird because for a movie that I like so much, I'm just having a hard point. I'm having a hard time like pinpointing like other scenes that are just like, oh, this stands out because to me, this movie like it flows so well that no scene really feels like like nothing ever feels like a big enough drop off or nothing happens not in a bad way, but nothing happens that's like, oh my God, because everything just flows so well in this movie. Like the the pacing and the way that the story just naturally progresses in, you know, its beginning, its middle, and then its climax is like, it's just perfect to me. So it makes it hard to really say, oh, this one scene's better than another because it all just like, it flows exactly the way it should to get your emotions where they need to be. Yeah. Well said. I really agree with that. I feel like it, I agree. It's been hard for me to pick out moments because I just feel like the film as a whole just has a great uh, flow to it. Um, I think a small scene that, uh, that I really do enjoy. And it's something every time I've watched this movie, I kind of look forward to, is when they land on the the island that has the nest and stoic is you know stoically marching towards the cave entrance and uh there's there's that big group that comes out first and then you kind of the light kind of goes into it to reveal it's like infested with dragons like Hell it's yeah. it's nothing but dragons and it's just kind of like you know it's that poop your pants moment that is is so funny and it's it's funny, but not funny because, you know, all of a sudden he realizes he's made a terrible error, but he still, um, he still has a, I love that the way that that character is written, he doesn't neglect his duty. He still does everything that he needs to, to try to protect the people he's brought with them, uh, and still execute their mission. I mean, I think he recognizes, uh, they're not all leaving, uh, this Island together. Um, so they're going to try to, do as much of their mission as they, they can accomplish. Just little moments from that from that particular scene I, I really enjoy. Yeah, great scene. Just to add a line to it, just because you said the phrase poop your pants, uh, Gobber, like the, the right-hand man, the guy who has the missing arm, I love the line right before that when they're talking about how the whole mountain face is going to burst open. He's like, and my undies. Good thing I brought extras. <laughs> 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 he, he has great lines. 
Um, so yeah. speaking of that, I, I guess we'll kind of add on here. Uh, any favorite character that you want to mention? I think uh, kind of obvious choices are Hiccup and Toothless. I mean, they've been mentioned plenty. So I guess besides them, is there any other character you want to mention that you particularly enjoy? I'll go first in saying I love Gobber. I feel like he's just really good humor in that it's not like really dumb. It, like It's not like Shrek the Third humor, if you know what I mean. It's, it's not unnecessary. It's good slapstick, but it's also just like one of those people that's just funny. You know, like, like there's real people like Gobber who have jokes like that, who say funny things like that and have that personality. And it just makes him a really, uh, just a good addition. And it also makes those training sequences that you mentioned earlier, Rob, really, really entertaining uh, from multiple uh, aspects. So, yeah, it, for either of you, any additional character or, or dragon I that think, you want to mention? You know, I'll just briefly say it, but Rob hit the nail on the head with the love interest. Um, it's just refreshing to know that it's not the typical damsel in distress. Um, I just really like that. Again, the the way that they present uh, almost every character in this movie, I feel everything, you know, everything actually makes sense. Rob, you said this too. The motivations seem, for the most part, just like crystal clear of why a character's where they're, like why they are where they are in the story, why they're acting the way that they're acting. And it's, it's just nice that it's not the typical thing that we're used to in a movie um regardless if it's animation or live action because that's that's usually the trope that you get um when it comes to these things you know it's hard to pick um i, I mean gobber's a ton of fun of course um i've already mentioned how much i like astrid i, I think when you look at all of the characters in this movie there's nobody that jumps out to me that's overwritten or underwritten each person mm. who's got screen time, each person who has more than a line or more than two lines um, feels like we we get the appropriate amount of time with them. And, and we get, you know, the right amount of, um, I don't know, opportunity for them to show us who they are or who they become, um, you know, it, but Gobber's just great, you know, in, in terms of being kind of, you know, both a, a mentor figure, a comedic relief figure. Uh, a right hand, you know, he, he fills a lot of roles in this, in this movie. Um, that character could really be annoying in, in a lot of other ways. Um, mm -hmm. If he wasn't written as well and performed as well by Craig Ferguson, by the way, um, shout out, you know, for, for the vocal performance. Yeah. yeah great job. I, I agree with you. Um, and um, fun detail about Gobbert. He has 14 different hand attachments uh, throughout <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> which i think is hilarious like where are are these does he just like keep them like his cup one does he just keep it at the bar yeah like, <laughs> just walk anyway um i just think it's funny uh one other scene that i'll just mention just because i would be disappointed in myself as i didn't i i don't know why i like this scene so much but that scene when uh toothless takes that tree and draws in the sand and hiccup steps mm -hmm. over the line I'm not really sure what the point of the lines are besides just establishing in a relationship between Toothless and Hiccup and them just kind of bonding. But there's something about that scene that just really uh, makes me feel uh, a positive emotion. Just makes me feel really invested in that relationship. So I uh, just had to mention it because I'd be sad if I didn't. And the music's great in it too. So with that, we, unless you guys have any other favorite of something that you want to mention, we will move into Fall In which is the last segment of the Basement Binge. 
except for we also reveal rotten after this um but fall in is where we talk about themes relatable messages uh emotions or or as my dad always used to say the moral of the story uh from the film and rob i'll let you go first because you mentioned it right off the get-go i've been waiting to get here to hear what you have to say you know there's two things when you're talking about deeper messages deeper meanings uh of film that pertain to things in the film or, or beyond the film there's really two that immediately jump out uh the first one is is really the obvious one uh matt talked about it very very well in this in his favorite scene and it's really all of our favorite scenes um the way that that scene is executed and it's it's so powerful when when you have two characters who are sworn enemies and they have reason to be sworn enemies, you know, the, the dragons have been hunted and the, uh, and the humans have been killed by dragons. And I actually just real quick want to say, I think this movie does a phenomenal job of setting the stakes without necessarily having to veer off into anything that would scare kids. Like, I think that's really, really well done here. Um, you know, stoic has every reason to protect his people. He has every reason to want to kill as many dragons as he can, because that's how his people stay alive until two characters are forced into a situation where they have to come to grips with the fact that the people that you're convinced are your enemy. When it really comes right down to it is just another living, breathing thing that wants to live and be happy and, and have a good life. You know, the, the people that you think are your our mortal enemy, you know, it's, it kind of gets to that idea that I've seen it on, you know, passed around on social media, you know, I've seen a, a you know, just a, a picture and it'll say, um, you know, no matter who you are, you're, you've always been the villain in somebody else's story, you know, and just, you know, things like that. Um, I think this movie really highlights how well that is. And just the emotion when Hiccup can't bring himself uh, to, push the the dagger into the dragon and, and do this thing that he should want to do, you know, based on how many people in his village have been taken out or their food sources have been taken out. You know, he's, he's really in essence, letting his people down by not taking this, this, this enemy out until he's eye to eye with the enemy. It's, it's easy to sit back and launch a catapult when you're eye to eye with another living, breathing thing and have to make the decision to kill them. It really does change it. And then when you begin to understand who they are, um, it's really, really compelling stuff. Um, you know, people love to talk about how divided our times are. And I don't know necessarily that our times are as divided as, as maybe people think. I think it's just that the, the loudest voices have more ways to amplify their voice now uh, and are more willing. You know, the, the calmer voices probably don't speak up as much. And I think that's really more where we are. And it's it just it just really is a reminder that that person that kind of let you cut in in traffic, um, that person very likely has a different view on gun control than you do. You know, you, you held the elevator for that person and and they, you know, probably have a different view on healthcare than you do. But they were nice to you in that moment. You know, it, they might vote differently than you do. But at the end of the day, they all want to get home to their family. They all want to put a meal on the table for their, their family and a roof over their heads and, and be happy. And, and that's kind of what everybody's searching for. It's, it's very interesting when you look at it. That's probably the single biggest uh, uh, theme from this movie um, that really stood out to me. Yeah, it's a very, very powerful thing. The first thing that came to mind as you were talking is the Christmas truce of 1914. 
yes. if you guys don't know what it is, during yep. World War One, Christmas Day, the German and British forces, in essence, just kind of stopped fighting, and soldiers came together in kind of good gestures of goodwill, even though they were enemies. Uh, and then they went back to war. But I, I, I mean, th- there's so many things about that interaction that just confuses me. But it, like, that's a really, really powerful thing that they that that is something that through history we know we are able to do to put aside our differences and have gestures of goodwill towards one another. Um, which I mean, war is a totally different thing than this interaction between Hiccup and, and Toothless. But I think that that is a great theme to pull away from it. I I was particularly leaning more towards the films of like. Hiccup accepting himself like the lines where people tell him to stop being himself and he's like, well, he just gestured to all of me. And, and like, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. But that's, you know, par for the course with this type of story that we're getting. And I think that what this film does new for this type of story is that relationship between Hiccup and Toothless as like, uh, under, and not just like, oh, let's work together because we have to type of thing, but like forming a genuine relationship out of understanding and, and of new ground. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah, uh, really good, you know, really good points. The the last one that I'll make is I also I like the message, especially, you know, adults watching this with kids. Um, you know, they're they're not going to be kids forever. Uh, you got to let them find their own path. You have to let them, you know, do their own thing. And I think, you know, it starts in this movie. Uh, and certainly gets more relevant as this series goes on. But, you know, it's something rewatching it that, and my kids are grown now. Um, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, a 20 year old and a 14 year old, it's, uh, you know, one of them's long past the time where I really tell them what to do. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, I think that, me- I think this movie actually really starts a, a really good message about, you know, there is a time when you just, you know, you don't stop being a parent, but you have to let them start becoming an adult, so to speak. I think that's one of the other major ones that I, I I think this movie really has two. the first one, you know, being about your enemies, but the second one, you know, the family relationship between Hiccup and Stoic. And just, I think the company, complexities of father-son relationships you know they're different than than obviously every child parent relationship is unique in its own way but just the the way that fathers will have expectations for their sons and their sons want to live up to those expectations and want to have their father's approval that's unique from the way they seek their mother's approval um is was really really jumped out to me from this um, I have I have one son and I have two daughters and I have very, very unique relationships with all three of my kids. But there's you know, there is a different type of relationship between a father and a son. And I think this movie really does kind of pull at that and, and portray that very well. Um, and it just it really jumped out to me as the second one uh, of, of the deeper kind of um, uh, meanings that this film has beyond just the scope of the of the film. I really, really agree. It's something that I didn't think that I was going to talk about, but you guys started talking about, so I'm going to. Uh, it, it recently, like very, very recently, the past few days, the past few weeks, I've really felt kind of like Toothless does, where I've been trying to do something because I feel a a social need to, so to speak, or a community need to, whatever type of need, to, like that, that this is the thing that you do when you're an adult or when you're a man or when you're a husband or a father or whatever, uh, particularly with like, 
providing and in the way that you know so to speak typically the uh male of a relationship does particularly in uh utah <laughs> anyway uh it, it's it's something that i've just been trying to make work for myself and i realized i'm just i'm i'm being i'm trying to be something that i'm not um and and me telling myself like i'm just trying to be like everybody else i'm trying to do the right thing and just realize that i don't need to do that um and then that complexity that's been added to the relationship with my father um my father has a very much conservative mentality, meaning like you don't take risks. You follow the well-beaten path and you don't you don't veer off of it an inch where I'm like, oh, you know, there's a, pa- a place over here, a pa- place over here that's not trad. Well, let's go over there, like anywhere except for the well-beaten path type of thing. Um, and in particular, this conversation that I just had with my dad the other day, and I'm saying this probably because he's not going to listen, but if he does, dad, I love you very much. Uh, but but just like coming to terms with that and like understanding, uh, particularly kind of like what I expressed about Stoic and what you expressed about both of you earlier, like it's understandable why he's doing those things. Uh, I think it'd be different. It'd be difficult to say like, oh, those things are are wrong, so to speak. I, I think that that's a difficult thing to try and uh, put on something. And it, it's just, I really, really appreciate the mature relationship that hiccup in Stoicab and just to be able to accept like almost like the differences of their time, so to speak, like as hiccup completely changes the, the nature of this community that they live in. Like there's not, no animosity towards his dad. Like, well, why didn't you do this? Like you were doing the best with your circumstances and talents and understanding at the time. Well, I'm going to do the best with my circumstances and understanding and talents at the time. Uh, and I just, I, I, I don't have kids, so I'm in a different father-son relationship than the two of you are right now, and it's it's something that I do appreciate as I get older and tr- start to understand that a little more and try, in a way, try to be like Hiccup and, and stop trying to be something that I'm not. So I appreciate you, you mentioning it. It's, it. it's almost like just cathartic to say that, like even though that was very, very vague and generic and not super specific, it's just like, oh, like I can like, you know, just have it be out there, so to speak, so. Um, yeah, any other themes or messages you guys want to mention at all? One of the other things I really like, and I, and I guess it's somewhat of a theme, um, but more of just something I appreciate about this film as well as really the whole series. Uh, there's real consequences in this film. Um, in this universe, in this film universe, there are consequences. There are bad things that happen. It's not just we, we defeated the bad guy. Um, you know, everybody lives happily ever after, you know, Hiccup loses his leg. Um, there's, you know, there's other consequences that happen um, in other films later on, the second and third film. Um, and I sort of like that, that, that they kind of go there um, because not very, how often does it all just end happily ever after? Um, Yes, they they came together. They have this new understanding. They have this incredible new relationship with their former enemy that actually turns out to be beneficial for everybody. Um, but to get there, there were losses. Um, and I I really, as morbid as this sounds, um, I like the actual consequences that happen in the How to Train Your Dragon series. I agree with you. It's something that as I was kind of doing the research of it, the filmmakers are really, really hesitant, like particularly with it being a kid's movie, uh, they were hesitant to put in. So all the test audiences 
preferred it. And without asking them, all the parents in the test audience told the filmmakers, do not change the ending. We like mm. that Hiccup loses his leg. Like, it wasn't something that they asked, hey, should we change it or not? They, out of their own will, went and told them, do not change this, uh, which I thought was cool. But also to to take it like way back before it, the idea that uh, old town, all the houses are new that Hiccup says at the beginning. And then later when Hiccup like totally ruins that that dragon raid or whatever is going on and his dad gets mad at him that all the houses have to be rebuilt now and like talks about the almost like financial uh, consequences of his action, I thought was like really mature to recognize that like, yes, that that giant firing stone just rolled through like three houses and that was your fault hiccup like well was that his fault it is a different conversation but like there, there are consequences to the actions that you took uh you know and outside forces included and i i just appreciate that and knowing what you're talking about the other films that follow i i agree that that in a world with dragons there's you know there's gonna be uh casualties so to speak so i i, I like that about the film as well so the, the the one other thing that I'll just add on here really, really quickly is the bond just that I love going back to the relationship between Hiccup and Toothless is the opportunity of a relationship that can be formed in moments of trial or moments of weakness, so to speak. Like Toothless never would have made a relationship with Hiccup if he didn't lose his tail flap, whatever it's called. Hiccup never would have shot down Toothless if he didn't feel like such an outcast. Like, he felt like he had to prove himself. Like, it was a moment of weakness, a moment of insecurity that led him to do something. It was a moment of weakness that led Toothless to do something. It's kind of outside of his, his control. And that relationship, as Hiccup says later, that he was just afraid as he was, is something that makes a really, really powerful relationship that I, I don't have much more to say about that. I just think that that's a big truth in life that, again, I'm learning more and more about to uh, appreciate and recognize and, and develop those relationships around me. So if there's nothing else to add, I guess we will reveal the rotten. We will all take a turn rating this out of five reels. So taking that from Matt's show, Matt goes to the movies. Whoever is the lowest is going to be the rotten. So quick recap, if you don't remember, Matt voted that Rob would be the rotten. Rob and I <laughs> both wrote it. Wrote it voted that matt would be the rotten so since i didn't have any votes i will go first out of five reels i am going to give this a solid four and a half uh i i think that there's just like a few that one scene that we talked about takes a little bit away from me also sometimes just the the skin animation and like a little bit of the 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 surface texture yeah, just sometimes animation just looks less than stellar even though this film visually is amazing and so there, there's just a little bit where I'm not like, oh my gosh, this movie's glorious. There's enough for me to uh, recognize that there's imperfections to it. So, four and a half. Um, since, Rob, you only had one vote, you'll go second, and we'll leave Matt last. Um, it's four and a half out of five reels for me. <laughs> um, you know, you, there's not much here to dislike. Uh, the things that are here to dislike are some of the things that, uh, you know, largely for me that I dislike are the things that, um, look, there's a, there's a lot of films out there that have that same flaw, but this film still finds ways to do things new and interesting. Um, it's really hard to pick things out about this movie that there is to dislike. I mean, 
if somebody just said, if you hadn't just watched this movie recently and someone's like, hey, you want to watch How to Train Your Dragon and you've got two hours that you don't have anything else to do, when are you going to say no to that? Uh, yeah, you'd be like, sure, let's do that. So four and a half out of five reels for me. All right. Drum roll for Matt. <laughs> Is he going to be rotten? Or I, I don't know. Matt gave a look that makes me think we're all going to be tied. Yeah, anyway, Matt, what, I, what I almost your... feel like it's a cop out, but it's four and a half for me, too. Um, I, I almost was going to hold like I heard you say it, Harrison, and I was almost going to like hold up a piece of paper because like we can see each other as we're talking and be and like write four and a half and be like, I wonder what Rob's going to say. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with absolutely everything that you guys said. I just, it, it's so hard to really sit there and like find, a, you know, anything major about this movie that could make the score go any lower um, than than what we've rated it. Yeah, well, I guess that all of us are the rotten together. And what a shame that at four and a half out of five, we're giving it a rotten. Uh, so pretty fresh rotten there. I guess pretty close to that 99% at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, Well, thank you both for enjoying me. That was a ton of fun. I'm glad that we all got to enjoy a movie, you know, in our alone time, but also come and enjoy it together. Like we mentioned at the beginning, we haven't recorded one of these in forever. And I've just been like so busy that I like didn't think about it. And then um, I was listening to one. I. I was listening to episodes on Matt's show. I was like, oh, Matt and Rob are recording a lot of episodes together. I'm like, why haven't I talked to them in so long? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm glad that, that we were able to work it out. I'm glad that Matt's feeling better uh, <laughs> on death's bed, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, one more time, Matt, I'll let you talk about Mago's movies you'd like. Uh, yeah, no, thanks. Um, for sure. You know, like I, I kind of stated before, uh, podcast about movies really excited to to do this video game um update and talk about those because video games have certainly played a, a pretty big part in my life um especially when i was younger uh so it'll be really interesting to do those uh harrison i will say uh i would really really love if you are at any point going to talk about the transformers movies at some point, I would love to be on one of those episodes um, because, <laughs> oh boy, um, <laughs> um, oh boy, yeah, oh boy right. I would, I, I would just say that you, if you give me a time and a place, uh, I will make that happen because I would love to talk about those movies. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. But yeah, if you know Harrison is gracious enough to put all of the the show notes inside uh, this episode. You know, check it out. Uh, Rob's got some really great uh, episodes up as well that he's done with his brother where they talk about movies that have meant a lot to them. And those are really, really good. They just did the Boondock Saints, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, so check it out. And, you know, thanks for listening. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, Matt, I I originally planned... Let, let me just say this. The Basement Binge, if you didn't know the name of it, is about binging like series of franchises that I love, that I have things to say about. And the Transformers series is definitely something that I have a lot to say about. 
and I've been wanting to come back to. So I uh, planned it because I supposedly the Beast Wars, the, the new Beast Wars movie, Rise of Beasts, was going to come out this summer, but it was delayed to like 2024 or something like that. Like some really long time. It was disappointing. Um, and so I almost took it off the schedule. It was kind of like pending, like, oh, take it off summer schedule. But because you said something, I'm going to leave it because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to talk about that series. And Beast, I, I'm glad that you said something because now I will have an excuse to to do it. Actually, well, they're the, they're the ultimate that. summer movie. So. Right, yeah. I, I, I have, if you want a sneak peek, there's a review I wrote on Letterboxd about my um, my thoughts. I'll leave it at that. My thoughts about the first Transformers movie. So, uh, anyway, Rob, anything that you'd like to add? And as we close out here, uh, yeah. So you can hear me occasionally on uh, Matt goes to the movies. Uh, you know, a couple times a month, I'll be able to jump on with Matt, and, and it's always a great time. So we certainly appreciate anybody that uh, that listens to that show. Um, my brother Eric and I have kind of a spinoff show that we do, uh, that Matt's nice enough to loan us his channel to, to put together. Uh, we have one that we will probably be recording and uploading within the next week. Um, Matt has, uh, has picked some real doozies in the last 30 days that I've watched. <laughs> I've had to, I've had to watch the matrix Re- resurrections twice, uh, once to just watch it and once, uh, you know, to get ready for the show. So I've seen that twice. Um, Batman and Robin and the the director's cut of Daredevil I've I've watched in the last thirty days uh, for uh, for episodes on Matt goes to the movies. So Eric and I really wanted to pick something that was just a great adventure and and a lot of fun, something neither of us have seen in a while. And uh, we're going to be recording that likely within the next week. Is oh, it is exciting. it Shazam with Shaquille O'Neal? Uh, <laughs> um, it is not. I will give that as a hint. It is. If you're thinking <laughs> that it was Shazam, it will not be Shazam. I, and I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure the crowds that are going out there, the disappointment is raging. Uh, I, I also just have to add that I think it's hilarious that for Daredevil, you had to go with the director's cut. What is it like? An extra 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes? Yeah, it's, you endure? Yeah, about when all said and done, yeah, it's about <laughs> an extra 30 minutes. Um, and yeah it's uh it's something it's yeah it had nothing it it produced a very very quality episode that i (laughs) genuinely it's one of those episodes i oh yeah again a conversation i had with my dad uh he was talking about he's like do you ever go back and re-listen to podcast episodes i'm like well there's like a few that i keep to go re-listen to as entertainment and that is one of those it was added i have a playlist of podcasts that i've listened to before that are just highly entertaining so it's it is definitely worth it. Uh, also, the Matrix episode, I really, really enjoyed that. Which, I can't believe that you watched by it twice. By the way, though. quick little thing. Uh, they're actually getting sued now. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I didn't they're, read it. They're getting sued now. saying that, yeah. um, you know, the release schedule, uh, um, Village uh, Roadshow Pictures had like a 20-year agreement. And they said that essentially by releasing it on HBO Max, uh, that the studio essentially killed the property um, because, you know, regardless. Yeah. The, well, (laughs) um, but because of releasing it on HBO max, (laughs) like they have with everything else. And they did that specifically for HBO max subscribers, but because the movie made so little at the box office, they've essentially killed the franchise 
for them to actually have it be viable to be released in studio uh, in the box office anymore and essentially killing any chance for a, a sequel or anything else to do with the Matrix by their decision to release it the way that they did. So very kind of similar to, well, not like similar because that was, you know, a contract dispute, but, you know, Scarlett Johansson with, you know, them releasing Black Widow on Disney Plus the same day it came out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. That will be interesting. That I, I agree with what Rob said. I, I don't think that it was just HBO Max. Like, look how good Dune did just two months earlier. Uh, and I think that you'll have plenty of evidence add to what went wrong <laughs> so yeah interesting i i didn't read the article so thank you for reading it for me and then tell me <laughs> um so yeah additionally here at the basement binge i'll just add as we wrap up this episode if you would like to potentially win a copy of this movie or any of the other movies um gonna happen for animation hall of fave volume two you can leave a review on Podchaser. i'll be giving away a copy of the movie at the end of February. So any review left during the remainder of the month of February will count. Again, Podchaser is great because you can review each individual episode, not just um, the show as a whole. So you can review it even if you have before. That will be linked below. I really, really appreciate it. Additionally, exciting. I'll, I'll just kind of give you the... I haven't mentioned the release schedule. So coming the rest of the month, Treasure Planet should already be out because recording dates are weird. The rest of the How to Train Your Dragon series, obviously, I'd love to get your thoughts about the second... Uh, and third film there and then Redline Spies in Disguise which if you have not seen I highly recommend hilarious film A Silent Voice which I'm, I've am i never seen very much looking forward to and then The Mitchells versus The Machines to close out Animation Hall of Fame this, this year so thank you Matt and Rob for being here I know it's very late for the two of you so thank you additionally thank you everybody for listening once again this is Animation Hall of Fame if it was not obvious at the basement bench my name is Harrison that's all for now ciao ciao Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.